0: Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 7 and 8. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance." The Lord Himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Let's pray one more time. Gracious God, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts and minds to this word that you've given to us this morning. Let it speak to us and use it to show us your will and your presence in our lives. And God, I pray that my words would do nothing but bring you glory. Lord, bless this time, each of us that's here today. Let your spirit move within us and among us. and Use this time of worship to draw us ever closer to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know we've been doing this for six weeks now. This is week number six, but we have just about made it to the end of the book of Ephesians. I know that uh, it's been kind of a long road. We've covered a lot of ground as we've been going through this study. But I want to start today by saying the same thing that I've said every single week that we've been doing this, which is While it's good to just study the Bible, to just read Scripture and know what it is that is said, we're studying the book of Ephesians here with a deeper question on our hearts. And that's the question of what does it mean to be claimed by God into the household of faith? At the very beginning of this, in chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul lays the groundwork that we've been uh, building on, when which he says, first, that you have amazing blessings through Jesus Christ, and that you have a great inheritance through him. And second, that you don't understand that, that we can't understand that fully because we don't understand God fully. And so we've spent the next several weeks looking at those gifts that we have, so that we can understand how God is at work, but also talking about what we can know about God, talking about how our faith is rooted in love, both the love of Christ for us and the love that the church has for God. We've talked about spiritual gifts, which are uh, the gifts of the Spirit that are given to us through faith so that we can help other people. They're things not given to us for our own benefit, but so that God can use us to do his work in the world around us. And we've talked about gifts that are given to us to help us in our spiritual walk, things that we call fruits of the Spirit. We call them that because as we walk in faith, as we continue to grow closer to God with each passing day, these are the things that manifest out of that relationship. Things like love and joy and peace, patience and goodness and kindness. These are the things that grow out of our faith, but also that help us to continue as we go. It's like a flywheel. As you build momentum, it's easier to keep pace. That's exactly what's happening here. And from the beginning of this book, there's been a theme that we've been working on. And that's the theme of learning to recognize, to understand, and to use the gifts and blessings that God gives us. We've also said that we know that the call to Christian living is a hard one. It's a call to persevere in the face of trials and hardships. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here this morning in chapter 6 of this book. See, Paul was not a man who was unfamiliar with the trials and hardships of the Christian life. Before Before he came to faith, he inflicted these hardships on Christians for their faith. So he knew what was facing them. His conversion was a traumatic one, but it was good, and it changed everything about his life. And from that moment forward, he faced imprisonment and persecution for his faith. He faced shipwrecks on his journey. And at the end of it all, he faced execution because of his faith in Christ. So Paul was a man who knew the trials and knew the hardships that came from a Christian life. He knew the burdens that came being faithful. And yet in this passage, when Paul goes about talking about the things that we have to stand against, he begins by saying this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's something that runs deeper, he says, than any of these hardships, any of these trials or tribulations that come. I've seen people work with this passage to try and understand what is Paul talking about here? Is he talking about standing against Caesar? That was an authority. Or maybe he's talking about something bigger. Maybe he's talking about the structures of injustice, the the things that oppress people. But friends, I think that sometimes the simplest solution is the best one, and the simplest answer is the most true. And I think in this uh, scripture, that is very much the case. Paul is talking, after all, about something that he refers back to many other times in his letters, about these authorities, these powers and principalities, he says. And when Paul is talking about these things, he truly is talking about spiritual forces, things that exist in our world, that exist in the back of our minds, that underlay all of the terrible things that happen, things that come as a part of human nature. These are bigger than just any sort of government of Caesar. These are forces that oppose faith and love, that stand in the way of peace and joy, and which tempt us and draw us away from holiness and holy living, so that we're tempted away from our relationship with God. These are the forces of unbelief, and of pride, pride that causes us to raise ourselves up and look down at other people as though God didn't create them as lovingly as us. These are forces that encourage malice and anger, division and spite, things that drive us to envy and hatred of one another. And indeed, these are the things that stand between us And the good news of the gospel, and say, all of this is just hanging on by a thread and can come crumbling down at any moment. These are the forces that whisper words of anxiety in the back of your mind and cause you to get disheartened while running this good race. But Paul is not resigned to this. Paul recognizes that these spiritual forces are there, but says that we as Christians can and should, must even, stand against them. And this leads us to one of the most well-known and widely discussed parts of the book of Ephesians, what we call the armor of God. Now this is a gift that God gives us to protect us says that as all of these things uh, swirl around us, as all of this turmoil and anger and bitterness rolls across our world, that God will protect us from it with these things. As you read this list, what you see is different aspects of the Christian life. He says that what protects you is truth and righteousness is readiness that comes from the peace of the gospel, is faith, is salvation, and is the word of God that we have in the Spirit. These are the things that Paul tells us can protect us against opposition. Now, I know that many of us here at some point or another have either worked or been around a workplace that's subject to OSHA standards. These are the Occupational Safety and Health Act standards that are set to keep work uh, to keep workers safe in their workplaces. These are things that say uh, don't stack ladders on top of chairs. Uh, get a bigger ladder. These are things that tell us to wear hard hats going through construction zones and to use harnesses when standing in high places, that mandate having handrails so that we don't fall and injure ourselves. But if you know anything about OSHA standards, you'll know that part of, I think, human nature is not following them entirely. I had a friend who uh, got hit by a car while riding his bike at Texas A&M And the first thing that anybody asked him when they saw him was, were you wearing a helmet? And when he said yes, the next thing they said was, wow, imagine how much worse it would have been if you hadn't been wearing a helmet. Well, the same thing applies in these workplaces a lot of times. We think, well, it's better to do this than nothing at all. It's better to wear a hard hat than to not wear a hard hat. That's true. But the best thing would be to wear not only the helmet, but also to have that harness, also to have scaffolding and hearing protection, because that is what's going to keep you fully safe. Friends, Paul tells us that the same thing is true here. He says it twice in this scripture, put on the full armor of God. He doesn't tell us put on truth and you'll be okay. It doesn't say you can put on righteousness and leave the rest of it off and be fine. You'll be ready. We can't just put on the readiness that comes from the peace of the gospel and charge headlong into the anxieties and darkness of the world. No, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. In the same way that OSHA exists so that people can work safely, so too does the armor of God that Paul's talking about here. Because, friends, we are not called to stand idly by, but rather to stand against evil. We're not just called to persevere through trials, although God protects us in that too, but rather to do the hard work work that christ has called us to and that god has prepared for us and has prepared us for after all the church isn't a stronghold for us to retreat back to paul doesn't talk about building a fortress no paul talks about the gear that a soldier puts on preparing for battle Girded with truth, with this belt of truth, both the truth of Scripture that God has given us as a gift and the truth of the Spirit that comes from a life of devotion and prayer. And with our feet guided by the gospel, we are able to move freely, to go where the Spirit leads and where God calls, to go without hesitation and without interference. Paul tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness, but notice he doesn't say anything about protection for our back. Because the expectation here is that with righteousness, we can be courageous. We don't ever have to turn our back, but rather we can face these things head on. We can strive after God and strive to spread the good news and never have to turn away and he gives us faith it says faith is a shield in front of us as our first line of defense because faith is what's going to stand before us in everything and above all it tells us to put on the helmet of salvation salvation through Christ that guards even our most vulnerable parts. And protected by all of this, Paul tells us that God gives us the word, which faithfully held is enough that we would not only stand our ground, but that we would stand victorious in Christ. And after all of this, Paul does what he so often does and takes a step back. Steps back from himself and from the people he's writing to. Steps back from you and from me and reminds us that we're not in this uh, alone, that we don't have to stand alone, but that rather we're a part of a great church. Tying all of this together is prayer in the Spirit. Because soldiers, as Paul knew and as we know, don't go alone but fight together. And the best protection for us as we fight to live faithful lives is a prayerful heart and a faithful community. A community in which we can learn from each other about God, and about ourselves. A community in which we can serve with each other as we carry this gospel message out to the people around us. A community where we can lean on one another in times of trial and support each other through our burdens. A community where we can grow with each other in faith and walk side by side towards perfection A community where we pray for each other because Scripture tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful things. And finally, a community in which we can come together and worship with each other. Where we can gather regularly to remember that at the center of all of this, of everything that we know and do, is Christ Jesus, is the work that he's done in us, the work that he's prepared for us, and the work that he is using us to accomplish in the world. And friends, this is what it means to be claimed by God into the household of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen.